This is Pioneering Today with Upper Skagit's own Melissa K. Norris. Inspiring your faith and your pioneer roots here in the beautiful North Cascade Mountains on KSVU 90.1 Community Radio. Hi, this is Melissa K. Norris with Pioneering Today, inspiring your faith and pioneer roots, bringing you the best of the pioneer lifestyle to implement into our modern ones. And in today's show, we're going to discuss growing your own food. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about this topic because it's one um, that's that's very near and dear to my heart. It's one that I've practiced since uh, I was a child. I grew up, uh, my parents always had a pretty large vegetable garden, actually. And then um, when I got married, my husband and I had a vegetable garden. I have never actually went through a spring or summer without growing our own vegetables. So it's something that I enjoy, that I believe in for many different reasons. And I really want to share with people who aren't um, growing their vegetables at home, um, who are a little bit nervous about it, whatever the reason may be, and just kind of show you all the benefits of it, the fun, the joys, and tell you how to do it yourself. Um, so one of the things that we, I always like to do when I do the pioneering stuff is, you know, way back, uh, you know, in, since time began, basically, you know, we didn't have stores like we do now. We are really living in a spoiled age. You can go to the grocery store and get almost anything from any country and any time of the year. You know, we're not really limited by seasons anymore with what we can buy in the grocery store. And back in the pioneer days, they didn't have that option at all. You know, if they didn't grow it themselves, then they probably didn't have it unless they were able to, to barter or trade with a neighbor if they had neighbors close by, depending on, you know, where you were in the country and, and what time and history. Uh, you know, they didn't have general stores and trading posts. And that was something that you went into and you just bought, you know, your staple supplies that you weren't able to produce off your own land at your home. And you were able to get and otherwise uh, you just did it at home or you had a really limited diet or you you would starve to death, basically. So I really think that when you're looking into, you know, implementing some of the the parts of what we like to call the simpler life or nostalgia of the pioneer times um, is to grow your own food. Uh, there's there's tons of benefits to growing your own food, but I, I do want to start. I think a lot of times people think along the lines of, well, I have to have a big yard space. You know, I have to have a big garden in order to grow my own food. And th- that depends on what level, you know, if you want to be completely self-sufficient and grow all your own food at home, then that's true. You're going to have to have a pretty good amount of space. Um, but if you don't have that, don't let that stop you from getting started at all. You know, for people who live in apartment buildings or a really small area, and they might not be able to have a full-on vegetable garden out in their yard, there's a always can do container gardening. You know, container gardening is also a really great way to get started. Uh, So one thing that almost everybody has is a kitchen window. So you can start an herb garden right in your kitchen. And you can do it, you know, in the wintertime. That's the other great thing because sometimes you are limited by, you know, certain vegetables for the growing season, wintertime. There's a few uh, winter crops that you can definitely do, cold weather crops, but not as much as in the, the spring and the summertime. But windowsill gardening or um, in your kitchen window, you can do any time of the year. Um, in fact, I just planted, um, I did some from seed and I bought some starts from the a nursery, a local organic nursery. And so what I did is I have a fascination with mason jars. I love 
the old canning jars, the the blue ones. Oh, they have that gorgeous blue, kind of a turquoisey aqua color. Uh, you know, some of them have the wire um, bale lids. We have the glass lid, and then you have the wire that flips to close them. Some of them have the old. Um, they're like a metal zinc screw on lid. Some of the older ones, and so I have I have quite a few, and I use them all in my kitchen and my bathroom as just either decoration or, or canisters, and they bring a lot of the pioneer style back. Um, in fact, most people don't know that the mason jar actually was invented in 1858. So prior to that, um, people did most of their, um, they were either pickling um, using root cellar crop storage um, or dehydrating their food before then or salting it um, until the canning jar was invented and then canning. So canning is really not as old as as some of us think, um, but Back to the topic at hand um, with the herb gardening is so I took some of these old mason jars because I love things that are only not pretty to look at and vintage and antique and remind me of that kind of give me that kind of feeling. But I like things that are useful, that that serve two purposes. So I took um, the wide mouth, my old wide mouth counting jars and in the bottom of them, because I didn't want to drill and risk cracking or breaking them, I didn't want to drill a hole in the bottom for drainage. So what I did is I took some some uh, glass river rock uh, and river rock and put it together in the bottom in the bottom third of the jar, and that's for aeration. And then I filled the next part up with soil, and then I put my herb right in there. And so that way that there's enough air circulating and oxygen getting to the root of the plant that I don't have to worry about overrouting it and, you know, uh, root rot or anything like that happening. And I have them lined up on the kitchen counter and they make the cutest little herb container. So um, you don't even have to go out and, and buy, you know, if you have some glass jars, you know, canning mason jars hanging around that you don't have canning stuff in, they don't have to be the antique ones. You can do this too. The wide mouth make it easier to get the dirt and the rocks and the plant in, I have to say, not the um, regular mouth one. So that's a great way. And a lot of the fresh herbs um, to cook with, then if you start them in the winter and springtime, then in the summer you can plant them outside and they'll grow larger and then you'll be able to harvest some. But I would suggest starting with some of the herbs that you use the most in your cupboard when you're cooking. So, you know, open up the cupboard door, look and see which of the dried herbs that you generally tend to use the most in your cooking. And I don't know about you, but at my house, that tends to be basil. I put basil on almost everything. We just, we love basil. And basil is really easy to grow. It is a heat-loving plant, so it's not a perennial herb that we can leave outdoors here. But if you bring it in in the fall and then take it back out in the summertime, then it's just going to be fine. So one of my favorite things to do with basil is just whenever, if you're making pizza at home, or even eggs, is just chop up fresh basil and put it in there, and it just gives incredible flavor. And one thing um, for any of your recipes that you make that call for dried herbs, because most recipes when you're reading through them, they call for the dried herbs, um, is to remember is dried herbs are, are much more concentrated of the flavor. So if you're substituting fresh herbs, then you need to use three times the amount as the dried herbs. So if it calls for one you know, teaspoon of dried basil, then you would chop up three teaspoons of fresh basil and put in there. But I tell you what, if you like the dried version of your herbs, when you try the fresh, you're going to be blown away by the extra flavor. 
and the extra nutrients because when we dry things, they do use lose a little bit of their nutrients and stuff, and especially the longer they've been on your shelf, of course, <laughs> in their dried state. Um, so that's one of the ways that you can start growing your own food is if you don't have a lot of space, is just start doing a little herb garden right there on your kitchen windowsill. And then another way that that you can do it is if you have, you know, a back deck or porch or patio is do some container gardening. Gardening grows great in containers. Um, You can do strawberries are really a good one to do. And then you also have um, tomatoes grow great, especially when they're on the the back of the porch and and they're against the house and they get the extra heat off of there. Um, Peppers do really good. Garlic does great in container gardeners, especially here in the Pacific Northwest where we can sometimes have some really wet, soggy soil and weather times. Um, Garlic likes to be in well-draining soil. So we actually do... um, we know our garlic in raised and some raised um, cedar beds, and then we also planted some of the ground this year, and they did they did well too. But um, garlic is something that you can grow. Um, you generally plant it in October, and then you harvest it in July. So that's something that you can grow over the winter too on your back deck. Um, and then herbs in the summertime will go really, and some of them are really pretty. They get pretty flowers on them, and you can grow those out on on the deck. So you can do quite a bit of your own gardening um, in containers on you know on your porch or what. And then of course. To get the most benefit um, from growing your own stuff, your own vegetables and your own plants is to have a large garden out, you know, in your yard, your backyard or your field. And our garden um, isn't really that big, but you can you'll be surprised at how much produce you can get out of a small area. Um, I just want to encourage you to really try it. So I heard the statistic on our local news program last spring, and it said that the average gardener spends $70 and reaps $600 from their vegetable garden. I don't know anywhere that I can invest $70 and get back $600. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So the first benefit of growing your own food that I want to talk about is cost. I mean, that is, that's just an amazing return on your dollar right there. And there's even ways of bringing that, um, bringing your what you spend down um because that that can be you know on your generally your seed cost um you know every year and then if you have any fencing and that kind of a thing but if you use heirloom seeds those are the seeds that you can save every year and then you don't have to purchase seeds from the store so that can really bring your cost down and increase um increase what you get from your vegetables uh, as far as monetary wise and then the second benefit is taste. There is nothing that compare with homegrown, freshly picked produce. I don't know how many times I have gotten really anxious. I'm, I'm not a patient person, um, by the way. <laughs> and I get really impatient in the spring for fresh fruit and vegetables. And so I'll be at the grocery store. And I don't know how many years in a row I've done this. I finally have stopped. I finally learned my lesson. But you see the strawberries and you know that they're not ripe locally where you're at yet. Either your own plants, you know, they're not berries yet or it's just, it's just too early. But you see these strawberries and you're so excited. And you're like, oh, I'm going to buy these strawberries because strawberries are one of my very favorite um, fruits. And so I buy these strawberries and you can't wait to get them home. They're, you know, pretty and they're red. 
taking them home and you rinse them off. And I'm one of those people I just, you know, bite into the first one, even if I'm going to use them for strawberry shortcake or some other, uh, you know, cooking, I just have to eat one. And so you bite into it and you're expecting the sweet juices to just like explode in your mouth, you know, and be all drippy and just, and you bite into it and it tastes like nothing. And I'm so disappointed. And that happens all the time, especially from berries um, when they say California grown on them. And that's because we live here in Washington. Well, they've been shipped three states away. And so taste is one thing that you will never uh, sacrifice. And you'll be really impressed if you've not grown all your vegetables or had freshly picked vegetables from a home garden before. Be ready to be wowed by the difference in taste, especially, you know, your fruit and stuff and the tomatoes. Oh, my goodness. So much different. And and the reason for that is um, basically it comes down to nutrition. So you're going to get higher nutrition. This is the third benefit of growing your own food. You're going to get much higher nutrition value when you grow your plants at home. And there can be two reasons for this. The first one is plants develop more nutrients the longer they're left on the vine. As soon as they're picked, they begin to lose their nutrients. So what happens in, in big commercial farming is they have to pick the plants, the vegetables, and the fruits before they're ripe. Because if they pick them once they're ripe, then their shipping window to get to the store and then for the shelf time that they're sitting on the, in the store before we come and buy them, they would all be you know rotted and, and nobody would want to buy them. So they have to pick them before they're ripe. So you're losing the nutrients right there because they're they're picked before they've had the chance to develop it. And especially with um, your fruits is the longer they're left on the vine, not only are they getting more nutrients, but they develop a higher natural sugar content. So that's why they're not very sweet. If you bite into a piece of fruit that's not ripe yet and it doesn't taste sweet, it's because it's been picked too soon. It hasn't been left on the vine. That's why, like, you know, you see tomatoes on the vine in the stores. They have more taste too, even though the vine isn't attached to the plant, so it doesn't have as much nutrients. But even that little amount on the vine makes a difference. So you can imagine when you do it at home, the huge difference there that you're going to have. And then the the second thing is um, organic farming. At our house, ever since I've grown up, we've practiced organic farming, which is kind of funny because, um, you know, organic farming, a lot of people didn't really know, you know, what that term really meant. And it just means that you're not using any artificial chemicals or pesticides, fertilizers on your plant. You're, you're just doing it as God intended, as they did back before science kind of took over um, in the pioneer day. So we, I like to say that we did organic gardening practices before organic was cool. And it was just because we were practicing the way um, that our grandparents and our great-grandparents taught us. We were just going along how we'd been taught as kids, and that was the way that we garden. Um, so organic farming uses natural fertilization, which is usually in the form of some kind of manure. Um, chicken manure is really high in nitrates, which is good because that's what plants need to grow. So... Um, a lot of times, a lot of people like chicken manure. The only problem is you can't put fresh chicken manure right on your garden because it's too hot and it'll end up burning your plants and the roots. And so that's not a good thing. So chicken manure is best when it's mixed with some sawdust or it's allowed to sit for a year and then it's not too hot, but it's a really good source of natural fertilization. We also use um, cow manure. We have We raise our own natural grass-fed beef. And so we have plenty of free manure right out there in the field. And so um, you can use 
horse manure, um, alpaca. I have some friends that have alpacas and they put a ton of alpaca manure on their garden spot. The key when you're using, um, fresh or manure as your fertilization is you don't want to use it fresh. You want it to be nice and dried and hard before you put it on your garden and work it into your soil. Um, and that way, if they've eaten anything, any, any grass or vegetation that has weeds in it and has seeds in it, those seeds will have had the chance to die out and then they won't, you won't be putting weeds into your garden soil. So you want to make sure that you use dried manure, not fresh. Um, and then compost, you can make compost out of your kitchen scraps, um, you know, and anything um, that doesn't contain animal fat or meat in it, you know, your banana peels, that kind of thing, you can start a compost pile, and that will all start to break down and turn into wonderful, wonderful fertilization for your garden. So when you use these organic farming practices, it actually has a higher nutritional value that comes out of your plants, instead of using pesticides and chemicals that add no kind of nutrients to the soil. Um, So that can be another benefit um, is you just have better nutrition in your homegrown vegetables. And then the other point I want to make, um, number four, is preserving. When you have your homegrown vegetables, the plants are really quite prolific, and you generally have more than what you can just eat as as a family. And so you have leftovers. You can either give that away to neighbors. It'd be a really nice neighbor and win brownie points that way. Or you can learn the art of preserving, which is um, canning dehydrating, freezing, or root cellar. And we're going to go into that more in an upcoming show. So you want to stay tuned for all that. And I also have a canning tutorial on my website, melissaknorris.com. I have tons of articles. You can just use the search button right there at the top and get into that. The other thing is growing your own food. It's fun to get the seed, to watch and see the seed you know, you plant the seed, it becomes a plant, and then you get the fruit. And then from the fruit in your harvest or the vegetable, you have the seeds that start the whole cycle over again. Um, And it's really fun. In fact, I've been known to put the seed in and I know that seeds, depending upon the seed, the germination period can be, you know, up to two weeks. So it's been about 10 days and I don't see anything little green poking up from the soil yet. I did mention I wasn't very patient. I will go out and very, very carefully I will take my finger and I will push back the dirt and I will see if anything's starting to sprout yet. And most of the time I will see, you know, a little green thing. It's just not broke through the surface of the soil yet. So I very carefully put the dirt back over it. Uh, But I get excited. You know, I can't wait to see if it all comes up and start taking care of it. And then when you get the first, you know, your first um, fruit from it or your first vegetable, uh, that's really exciting. And if you have kids, kids love to garden. Our kids love to help out in the garden. And the really nice thing is they're not so great about, kids aren't always great about wanting to eat their vegetables. They can be a little picky sometimes. But if they help grow it and they have a hand in in planting it and weeding it and getting to pick it, when you bring it into the house because they have helped, they feel like it's theirs, you will be amazed at how much easier it is to get them to eat their vegetables when they have a hand in growing it themselves. So if you have grandkids or kids, it's a really fun family time to garden together. So I really just can't recommend if you're going to do one thing that the pioneers did as I would recommend is growing your own food, is growing a garden of some kind. And you can start out really small or you can start out really big. And I have 
all kinds of gardening tutorials with pictures and information on melissaknorris.com and they're completely free so you can go and check those out um, and so one thing that I also want to let you know is I have a free gardening ebook on my website melissaknorris.com for my newsletter subscribers and it's a 40 page ebook and it's called heirloom gardening guide planting to save money and it's all about an introduction to heirloom seeds and we're going to go further into that in our next episode so i want to thank you so much for being with us today and listening and i can't wait to hear about what you decide to grow at home in your garden that's it for this edition of pioneering today with melissa k norris Join us next time on KSVU 90.1 Upriver Community Radio.